Hey, are you looking to buy a new car? Are you stuck in a high-rate loan and looking to refinance? Well, UK Federal Credit Union can help. Right now, UK Federal Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 2.99% APR. Apply for an auto loan online at UKFCU.org or in person at the dealership. Get your dream car today at UK Federal Credit Union. UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Annual percentage rate, member qualification supply, rate of subject credit approval, subject change. For full disclosure, visit UKFCU.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 87 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by the Sean Smith of the Go Big Blue Country. How the heck are you? I wonder how many people forget what their phone volume's on or their car volume, and you just welcome in, just like this starts their morning do that way think, do you think i scream whenever i do my intro you scream when you chat you scream when you talk well you know <laughs> what it's because i love my job it's because i'm a happy individual and nobody can take that away from you from me not even you sean so i am happy to be here whether you I like it or your not. joy <laughs> still your joy well That's we have awesome. yet another fun show in store for you lots of transfer news transfer rumblings uh player decisions we the last time we talked i believe the only player decision that there are two decisions we got were cameron fletcher leaving and devin askew returning so we have a lot of news to talk about on that front um you know potential transfer rumblings and and all those sorts of things so Lots to talk about, lots to discuss. I am very much looking forward to it. Before we get into that, I'd like to have a quick message from our friends at UK Federal Credit Union. The University of Kentucky Federal Credit Union has been a proud partner of the Big Blue Nation for over 80 years. As a locally owned business, we are a proud supporter of the University of Kentucky Wildcats and all its fans. Whether you are a UK employee, student, or fan, there's a place for you at UKFCU. We are a full-service financial institution offering a wide array of products from checking and savings accounts, credit cards, and mortgages. And with your accounts, you have access to a new and improved mobile and online banking with enhanced features, Apple Pay and Google Pay, and over 65,000 free ATMs, all while offering typically all while typically offering better interest rates on deposits and loans and having fewer fees on your accounts. UKFCU has all the perks of a big bank, but we are local and right here at home. So come on over and learn more about what UKFCU can offer you. Visit UKFCU.org to learn more. Go Big Blue, membership eligibility required, federally insured by NCUA. Sean Smith. So it's been one heck of a week uh, after the news of Devin Askew returning to Kentucky, Cameron Fletcher leaving. I believe the next news tidbit was Isaiah Jackson announcing that he was going to enter the draft, uh, but oddly enough, not hire an agent with the uh, possibility of returning to school. And I believe not long after that, uh, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic put out a report that said that Uh, He wants a first, he wants a a lottery guarantee. And if he doesn't get that, there is actually a solid chance of him returning to school. Um, Now I'm not even going to really entertain the possibility of, of that happening. I mean, it's, he's a lottery pick. He's going to work out for teams and uh, you you know, it's, he, you know, they're going to see what we all saw all season long with just the freak defensive abilities and just that, that, that natural instinct that you, you know, that you just, don't get you can't teach that type of stuff so I have a feeling when when he starts working out for teams and kind of shows his uh, advanced you know growing offensive abilities as well I I think it's just going to be something that some team is going to be desperate in the lottery and say look this is going to he's going to you know he has future you know bam out of bio type player written all over him we just can't pass up on that opportunity so uh, I, I I think it's more of the gesture as a whole that I appreciate that he's at least 
playing out the process and, and saying, you know what, if, if by chance it doesn't work out the way that I want, then, then I can come back to school. Um, so I, I, for one, liked the way he handled that situation. Yeah, I like how he handled it. He's not coming back, though. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my take on it. I'm not going to entertain. Uh, but it just it goes to show you that there's a line and there's a difference. There's a difference when you have guys come into Kentucky who have heard that they're going to be a one-and-done, can't change their mindset. We're talking about B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark. They came into Kentucky with their bags packed. And then you have Isaiah Jackson who came into Kentucky, and then it didn't start talk, being talked about how good he was until, what, August, September? Yeah, he came in thinking he was going to be a, a a project player, you know, like maybe two years, maybe three years. I don't know, but it it just goes to show you. There's it. It's all about your mindset when you get to campus. Is it am I out of here in six to seven months, or am I here, you know, eighteen months to to twenty four months? I I don't know. Like I just think that that plays into it. Uh, by the way, we never talked about Dante Allen returning, did we? Because that happened on Monday night. We did not. So yeah, that was that. I think that news came out almost immediately after hour <laughs> after, after our show go figure that's how it usually works out so yeah let's let's talk about the two returnees first or I guess the the second and third returnees before getting into the the BJ Boston Terrence Clark debacle um Dante Allen talks to so I actually reached out to um Dante himself I texted him and asked him I was like hey just feeling you out uh, you know timeline for when you're planning on doing something didn't hear anything back from him. it was it was actually right after the shows when I reached out to him and I was like hmm, that's you you know because you like last summer when we went to go see him in person he texted me about asking uh for the the highlights that we did and and some of the pictures that we took and those sort of sorts of things so he, he's always been good about getting back to us and and all that so he didn't respond back then and I was like huh at first I kind of took that as bad news like uh kind of curious if he's leaning toward transferring or if he's just you know putting those uh whatever the case was uh and then just a couple hours later he has his mom has an interview with uh, the falmouth outlook hometown newspaper uh announcing that he was returning to school cool. I, I thought that was a pretty freaking awesome gesture that i i you know you got to give back to the people that you know they're at every single zoom zoom call zoom meeting covering every single game you know, just, just, they're all about Dante Allen. So, you know, giving back to the community that, um, you know, supported him through the good and through the bad of his high school career and, you know, the injuries and all that stuff. So I thought that was a really cool gesture, but the idea of Dante coming back to school, turning down the, um, you know, turning down the interest and, and possibility and opportunities elsewhere to come back and, given give another go at Kentucky and and you know knowing the ups and downs that came with this season I thought it was it was a pretty big statement for him to decide to ultimately decide to come back to school Sean huge decision and if you ask me what Kentucky got out of this awful nine and 16 season that they just finished they didn't get anything out of it until the final 20 minutes the final 20 minutes I thought was huge because Dante Allen got to have some confidence going into the offseason and I think it was really big that he he put on that performance with John Calipari standing right there watching it. I thought that was huge. And we're going to get into this through, throughout this episode. I, I'm on this big push now that I, I'm hoping when it comes to Cal changing, when it comes to skill set and talking about, you know, modern basketball, the way the game's changing more to skill set, not length and athleticism, Dante kind of plays a role in my thoughts because I have an idea – that we will get into as we go throughout this episode once we talk about the transfer options and everything that I think Dante really plays into. But I honestly think that the one thing that Kentucky can take away from this season, uh, Dante Allen, I, I think that was huge. It was huge when it happened the first time, but I think it was even bigger the second time around because, Jack, you and I had had heard and we had talked to people when things were trending there a month and a half ago and he was playing two or three minutes a game after the stuff he was doing, and then, you know, Cal coming out and kind of the criticism and things at times and always wanting to mention Dante in a press conference, even in games where he played three minutes. There was some stuff there where we were kind of concerned that there would be a transfer, and it was all going to be how it played out the rest of the season. Well, it couldn't have played out any better. If Just talking an individual thing, I, th I thought it was very big for the program and Dante and Cal. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of funny how there were some other reporters out there that were kind of scoffing at the idea like <laughs> – there, the idea of a transfer was never even on the table and, you know, those sorts of things. It's like, 
I'm here to tell you that there were schools in mind and it got to the point of if we do make this this big decision where would we go with the idea of WKU very, being very interested Purdue being, being very interested Xavier being very interested the idea of going to Louisville and kind of throwing a jab back at Kentucky for not handling that situation well those sorts of things those were in discussion so whether people want to admit that or not it was a very real thing the, uh, the there were a lot of people it wasn't just one disgruntled individual it wasn't just you know it was it was a lot of uh, of people uneasiness inside of inside of that camp and they, I thought they handled it well it was they did. it was one of those um, we're not happy how things are being handled right now there was a conversation with coach Cal and and it was kind of a what's my future here what are we what are we doing here what's the goal and coach Cal you could kind of sense Sean in the conversations that we both had the 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 there was a a change of tune in the last three weeks of the season where that it went from oh okay oh so you're cutting down the the roster to, to the rotation to seven players okay well how's that treating you how's that working out for you why is my you know why is this kid not getting shots why is this to we're trusting the process we understand we're going to be patient and it was it, it i think we started saying this saying that on this show that that there was an obvious change of tune from where we went on here and said i would i would almost lean toward the possibility of him leaving this off season to rather than coming back i, I think i even said at one point it was like 60 40 that i thought he would end up leaving and i mean there was there was a very clear change of change of tune in that last three or four weeks of the season where every conversation, every conversation I had, every conversation you had, it was, um, we trust coach Cal. He, he knows what's best for our future. There's a lot of work for us to do. We're, we're going to, we're going to get back to work. So I, I really appreciate how they all handled this situation. And I, I do think that Dante has a, a very bright future here at Kentucky. Of, of all the people, of all the players on Kentucky's roster that we expect back that, you don't know when it comes to the transfer portal who could enter at any point. I mean, I know obviously there were rumblings out there about Keon Brooks. There was rumblings out there about Devin Askew when the season ended and things like that. Of all the guys that could have gone into the portal and not to the draft, you know who I think would generate the most interest? And Derek and I talked about this earlier this week. Dante. Yeah. Just given the thing that he can do very well. And in today's basketball, it's shoot the basketball. I honestly thought that of all the guys, like with value, look, we're talking about two performances where he went 23 and 23. How many other dudes on this roster outside of Davion Mintz had knots like that? Not often. BJ had a couple, uh, a couple 17, 18, 21, 23, but it, I mean, it was one step forward, two steps back more often than not. So yeah, but, I, I, he was, he was the lone, the lone individual doing that. But that was massive news for next year, in my opinion, because I do think that Dante will carve out a role on next year's roster, regardless of how it's pieced. And and I think that he could be like a, a piece where you kind of see some guys who can do some similar things, uh, depending on what they add from the portal. But the the big news, too, I thought, and and I don't know if I ever really thought he would leave, but Lance Ware coming out on Instagram Friday, and saying, you know, that he's coming back. To, yes, I'll be back next year. Yeah, I don't know how big. I don't know how big that is for right now. Like, I don't know how big that is for next season's roster. If with Damian Collins, with, with Shubway, and then if, if let's, let's just wait and see if they get another guy in the portal or something, another big. But I think it could be very, very big for 22. Like, I think that, like, he is a guy that I don't really look at and just see as being a guy that's really upset and wants to leave. I think that he's kind of bought into it. You saw – him play minutes at Mississippi State this year and play a ton. Then you saw him not play at all for a game not long after. But he was always a guy that was ready to go in. Now, he struggled in the SEC tournament. But the one thing I liked about Ware was he never stopped fighting. He fought. And you could kind of at least see something there that I had. I think he has potential to develop down the road into a solid player. And those are the guys that you kind of hope stick within your program. You don't want Lance Ware to leave and go home to New Jersey or somewhere else or to another program, even if he doesn't play much next year. You don't know. Like I, I just think that that's a guy that I could see his role getting more significant, maybe not next year, but on down the line if he chooses to be there. Yeah, and well, so 
what I, I liked about that process and, and just his mindset coming to Kentucky when you, you know, doing preseason interviews and talking to the people around him and, you know, came in high school and, and, you know, close family and those sorts of things, you know, preseason interviews, they all kind of said the same thing. We understand what Lance Ware is. He's a dog. He's going to come in. He's going to do the dirty work. We know he's a work in progress. He is, if, if you, uh, his coach said, had a very specific line, like if you expect him to be a, a 20 point per game player every single night, you, you recruited the wrong guy. He is not the guy that you want at, at your program. You recruited, you recruited Lance Ware to come into your program and, dive for loose balls and, and grab tough rebounds and do the dirty work when nobody else on the roster is willing to do that. That is who they brought him in to be. And all of them, even going into the season, said, we understand that this is going to be a two, three-year process. This is not going to be – he's not going to be coming – he's not going to come in and be spoon-fed from day one and expect, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes a game. And, it, like, that, that's just not who Lance Ware was ever going to be. So that's even why late in the season – there were some people that kind of thought that, well, uh, I think he's, you know, he's kind of playing out of a role. I don't know if uh, how he's going to handle, you know, the surplus of bigs on, on the roster next season, those sorts of things. He like, that's what he signed up for. And that's why I, I never even really entertained that possibility of him, of him leaving yeah. because it was uh, that he came in saying, I am a two to three year player. And he, he looked like a three or four year player, which is fine. I mean, I think that's what he he knew that going into it. It wasn't an Isaiah Jackson where he came in as a two and three year player and he just outperformed the expectation. This he played exactly the way he was supposed to play. And like we said last episode, those are the type of guys that you want to stick around. They know who they are, they understand their flaws, they understand their you know what's holding them back from taking that next step forward. They want to be inside the program. So those are the type of people that you want to welcome back. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, I think there's a place there, whether that be in a significant role this coming season. And if he works, you, you don't know exactly what this roster is going to look like. Uh, and two, I'm really interested when it comes to the transfer market, exactly how many guys Calipari adds. You know, Jimmy Dock said during the Ole Miss game that as many as eight new faces. And that night I kind of was like, mm, I, I don't know about eight new faces. But now you're with all these names and stuff going in the portal, man. I mean, you liked a tweet from uh, Travis Brown this morning talking about the number of people that are in the portal. It was 733 when the day begun, and that's higher now. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. on the same day last year, it was like 400 and some. I don't remember the exact number, but, geez, like – and that's the thing. There's still there's still teams playing that guys that can't go into the portal. 16 more teams going. That, and we, that, and we yeah. have heard names for two to three weeks, Jack, that is, Kentucky has just been linked to when it comes to possibly getting involved with. And that, that number – I think that list is going to grow in the coming days. I mean, you're seeing stuff come out today that we didn't really even think of. Yeah, and I kind of want to jump into that pretty pretty heavily here in that, the, the tail end of the show when we start getting into the, the specific names and all that. Uh, but before we, before we do that, let's quickly round out last week's kind of decisions and what's looking ahead. Um, so as, as of right now, we have, Dante Allen, Devin Askew, Lance Ware officially confirmed coming back. We have Cameron Fletcher officially gone entering the transfer portal. We have Isaiah Jackson as the first pro name that he put his name in the draft, not signing an agent with the possibility of coming back, but you might as well pencil him in as being gone. And then there were two. And they were the names that we said over and over and over again on this show uh, that – don't expect them to come back no matter what Cal says, the two-year plan that, you know, that Cal was kind of hinting at with B.J. Boston and, and you know, that whole thing, you know, being Emmanuel quickly, P.J. Washington type storyline, those, those sorts of things. It all sounded all fine and dandy, and it was, it was cool to dream about that possibility. I kind of, you know, the only time that I even kind of took a step back and was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, is when Cal brought it up on his own. When he brought it up after the game, made me think, okay, is Cal going to change his his recruiting tactic this offseason where he is going to go in and say, look, you're not ready yet. You are a second-round draft pick. You're a late first-round draft pick at the, the earliest. You need to come back to school. You can be a lottery pick. You can be a top-10 pick, maybe even top-5 pick. You need to come back to school and get the real Kentucky experience. Let's just hit reset. Let's, let's just give this a go. So, Sean – I got him. I got to be honest. I was I was a little disappointed in both of their decisions. Um, not that they both put their names in the draft. I thought 
you know, I, I think even no matter what, at the end of the day, they all three of those people uh, of those players would have been gone at the end of the day. But for both Terrence Clark and BJ Boston to put their name in with an agent and say, screw it, no matter what feedback I hear from, from the scouts, I'm gone. I thought it was a little disheartening where it was just like, you know, just nothing could have changed their mindset this season. No, it, it couldn't have, it didn't matter if they got hurt, if they didn't play a single minute, it didn't matter if they, you know, missed every single shot, they could have, you know, averaged zero points, zero rebounds and zero assists a game. And they knew what they were. They, they were going to go to the draft no matter what. And I, I thought that was, you know, I don't even know. It's kind of disappointing on Cal's in thinking that, you know, you couldn't at least talk him into saying, all right, well, well, let's take a step back. Let's be patient here. Let's really go through this draft process. And then if you're ready to go, go for it. Um, but also just on both of the, their, their side of things, I just thought it was something that they could have gotten some really genuinely honest feedback that could have made them both go, eh, maybe, maybe I have something else to think about. So uh, I, I just, you know, I, it was an expected decision, but one that I, I wish was handled a little bit differently. I look at it two ways. And this is the, these are the guys that the fan base really gets irritated with, right? When it's decisions like this, where it just doesn't even make sense when you look at what they've done. I mean, B.J. Boston didn't even score a point in his final game. Uh, you couldn't have had a more perfect script for how his year went, with South Carolina being the last regular season game and then Mississippi State being the final game. That was B.J. Boston in a nutshell at Kentucky this season. Terrence Clark, not seen for for months, comes back in, does a little, boom, out the door foregoing eligibility, not even testing the process, not even getting feedback done, regardless of what happens. I don't have a problem with it because it's these kids' decisions. But at the same time, Kentucky just went through a nine-win season, and it's going to have an entirely new roster. I can see that being a bad thing, obviously, because now you're kind of getting to the point where you think when you're if you're trying to build this through high school players – is there ever a point to where you have any kind of continuity at Kentucky? But also look at it along these lines. They went 9-15, and 9-16 and 16 for a reason. Yeah. I don't look at it. Maybe it's not a bad thing that this whole thing is just getting scrapped. Yeah. I think we talked about that. It was This, this was either going to be Cal hitting the reset button, button and saying this, this – chemistry that this this bunch of players just didn't fit this was just not a good fit from top to bottom my mistake back to the drawing board let's hit reset again it was either going to be that or it was going to be let's get everybody back in the program that needs to be back in this program which is everybody and hit restart and and turn this into a two-year plan make this a two-year a two-year work in progress where we're just at the halfway point of the of playing the long game of what B.J. Boss and Terrence Clark could be, what Isaiah Jackson could be, you know, the, all of those fringe players. And I know Jackson was was like the lone guarantee on this team, but pretty much everybody else outside of that could have kind of taken a step back and said, you know what, maybe I could I, I could hit reset and, and try this again. So. Yeah. I don't, you know, I support their decisions. This, you know, this was something that we all expected going into the year. Uh, I was kind of shocked that Terrence Clark even made it on campus. And I've said this, you know, on this podcast several times in the past. Uh, Jalen Green was – it was kind of a him or Jalen Green situation with the G League. If Terrence Clark – they both had offers on the table. Um, I actually talked to Jalen Green's dad about this before, before the season even began, you know, during the recruiting process that – that, you know, there was just some – not that they didn't like each other necessarily, but they weren't very, uh, you know, complementary players. They didn't necessarily like playing together just from an on-court standpoint. And there was never really an avenue for those two to maximize their their individual talents at the same place. That's why a lot of the uh, – when Terrence Clark committed to Kentucky the first time around, Kentucky kind of fell off. Jalen Green's list the first time around, they just didn't think that they were complimentary pieces. Same thing happened with the G League. When Jalen Green took his G League offer, uh, Terrence Clark's kind of came off the table because they just didn't necessarily want to play together. So when you have that type of situation, 
yes, there was a, an avenue for for Terrence Clark to take the G League route, and I think that was one that he was exploring pretty pretty strongly. But when that door kind of closed, even still, I was like, man, I'm when when he finally got on campus, I thought it was a good sign, and I I do kind of regret that we didn't get to see the full experience of Terrence Clark and BJ Boston. I think both of those two players are going to be very good pros one day. I think Terrence Clark, he's six foot seven, two hundred and five, two hundred ten pounds. He you know NBA ready body. Those that type of player, you know, they're just not made every day. He's he is going. He he has an NBA ready body today. He has you know, I mean. Cal ran him at point guard for goodness sakes. I mean, he, there's something there that that we didn't see at Kentucky, but you will see one day why there there was so much interest in him and 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 just you know it, it's it just feels like Terrence Clark is going to be one of the biggest what ifs that have come through Kentucky, and I think BJ Boston's right up there too because I, I think one day that something's going to click that, that shooting that knack for shooting is going to click again and he's going to turn into that that three level score that we all hyped him up to be and and I think Kentucky fans are going to look at both of those kids and go where 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 the hell did that go wrong how did we get to this point yeah I, I could definitely see it for sure <laughs> but it, wild week right you know wild yeah. first week when it comes to the season ending we knew that we were going to be moving towards the transfer portal more than anything and and that's kind of at the point that it's at now I mean, this this transfer portal thing, Jack. What we're experiencing right now in the collegiate game, it's it's a movement, but it's a movement unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And it's just more it's more of a headache that coaches are going to have to deal with. But I can't help but wonder if this is going to transition power back to the blue bloods when it all shakes out. Yeah, I think this is going to be this is going to be a chance for Coach Cal to look at himself in the mirror and say. I got to be one step ahead of the curve at some point. Let's just go back to the and, and what's funny is Matt Matt Jones on on KSR said basically kind of what we were talking about last week. And there was some smart aleck on, on the YouTube comment section that was like it, we we made up that point where it was like I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cal went after the top ten recruits only, the guarantee surefire one and done. You're, yeah. You know, can't miss players miss out on the, you know, don't go as hard after the 11 to 25-ish range and then go from that 25 to 50 or whatever as if you're coming here, you need to know that you're a multi-year player. You better get with it. And reserve that 10 to 20 to 25 range for trans, just transfer, just just incoming transfers, grad transfers. Uh, just, just hit that one-time transfer rule hard because I think that is going to be the future of college well, basketball. And when I you have this many guys going into the portal, why not, right? There's, I mean, when yeah, you're, it's going to go over a thousand. I mean, there's going to be a thousand names or more in the portal. You can't tell me you can't pick three or four a year. Yeah, off of easily. If you're, and if you're no longer, and that's the thing, like if you go get the guys that are ranked thirty to fifty or thirty or sixty, the Cameron Fletchers, what goods it do you if they're in your program one year and they don't see a fit and then they leave? Yeah. Like, Plug and fill your roster with what you need. And there is value in this too. Collegiate experience is a big deal. And here's why. It gets you removed from the AAU culture. What is the big thing that Kentucky's freshmen come in not knowing how to do? It's the unity. It's the playing together and all those things because they're so – yes, they play high school basketball where they're the big dog, but that AAU circuit, it's not anything like what the collegiate game is when it comes to structured – running sets, running offenses, playing within the team, you at least add people who have been in that type of system to your roster. I think that's the biggest benefit. Sure, top-end talent might not be as good, but you get kids who fit and then kind of already understand. Look at Davion Mintz. Did he have a problem transitioning into that this season? Nope, nope not at all. He yeah. didn't. And I don't think Olivier Saar did. I just think that they tried to use him the wrong way for the longest stretch of the season. The guys that had the problem fitting in, look at Jacob Toppin coming straight in, and we didn't even think he was going to even be an option, but what did what was he able to do? He became one of the guys that was able to play for most of the season that you looked at it a lot of times and said, crap, you know, he's one of the guys you feel really good about moving forward. I just think that being in a collegiate program, regardless of what level it is, being in a structured system, understanding how to play within the team, within a system, I just think that there's value there. And if Cal decides to shake his roster out that way, 
I think it's a big deal, but I also think it's one of the things where you can't just go get guys. You've got to go get guys that fit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, before we we have a bunch of names to discuss and perfect fits, good or bad, you know, d- depending on how, uh, you know, what will work with the rest of the roster as it's currently constructed. But before we get into that, uh, let's have a quick message from our friends at MyBookie. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from all the NCAA tournament games in the MyBookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. Whether It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at MyBookie.ag and use promo code SOURCESSAY to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code SOURCESSAY to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Sean, there are already are you in the portal yet i I, sh- I might as well be because there are so many big name pieces that are have already put their name in the portal that uh, i think kentucky fans are going nuts over and as they should because it's it's a lot of uh, of pretty significant talent things um that you know players that you should be excited about let's just run through a bunch of them and kind of work this through you know, who you would add if you were in Coach Cal's shoes and, and, and why. So the big name that was kind of the first one that piqued Kentucky fans' interest, that was Justin Powell at Auburn. Um, it was like a lifetime ago now, right? There, I mean, wasn't it? I mean, there's just so many obvious connections with, with him and, and, you know, as a homegrown Kentucky kid and, you know, North Oldham kid and, and you know, they're – there's no shock that Kentucky fans would be interested in the homegrown standout shooting talent uh, playing for a, an SEC rival of Kentucky's right now who goes in as a meet as a as an you know true freshman stands in when when Sharif Cooper was dealing with his NCAA issues and and just I mean thrive from day one kind of took that program over and kind of gave uh, Auburn fans kind of a glimmer of hope throughout the early part of the season. Um, and then obviously things fell south when, when, you know, the NCAA stuff hit and, and, uh, you know, Sharif kind of dealt with his, some injuries late in the season and, and Justin Powell dealt with injuries. It was, there's a whole bunch of different things, but Justin Powell has been the number one big name for Kentucky fans over the last couple of weeks. And Kentucky is, has, you know, has been right in the thick of things. They're very interested in, and, uh, you know, it kind of feels like one of those situations that, it just feels like a matter of time before we're going to get some some positive news for the Kentucky fan base. But my only question is, why have we not heard any news on that front so far, Sean? And and I think that's kind of the bigger over overarching theme is is Cal extremely interested in Justin Powell? Is is that like a can't miss fit like Oscar Sheway was? Or do you think that they kind of want to slow play this thing and, and wait for the, all the options on the table that we kind of discussed earlier? I think a lot of it comes down to you don't want to just grab onto something if there's something else out there that's going to catch your eye. And I think Cal kind of saw that coming when it comes to names going in the transfer portal. I mean, Justin Powell went into the portal right when Kentucky was still trying to win basketball games to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, the morning – well, they were in Nashville when all that stuff was kind of coming out. Uh, and then you see names like, you know, Marcus Carr. You see uh, Grady. I mean, you see all those names kind of going in there, and I think it becomes the thing that if you feel really good about someone, and I obviously think that I mean, given everything that we've known for the last few weeks, if they wanted power right now, it's probably a done deal, correct? Like right. from everything that's been happening. Right. Uh, we don't know exactly what conversations have been gone, have been off, you know, on the record here. Maybe is it something where they're kind of looking and seeing who they want to piece? Uh, were they waiting on any NBA decisions uh, now that were they waiting on a decision from Davion Mintz? Uh, what's what else playing into that? So I think it was one of those things where, sure, you, you have a guy there you could take. Uh, but if he really wants Kentucky, it, we've also seen it play out in the past where guys will wait and stuff but I do think it's kind of getting to the point now where it's going to have to be a decision made if this is going to get done or if it's not going to get done because now that there's so many names in the portal you, you kind of see it taking shape one way or the other I, I had a conversation with somebody last week that it was kind of a, a 
kind of brutally honest conversation. Big, they were a big fan of Justin Powell, thought that he'd be a great fit at Kentucky, but they kind of said that I think people need to realize that Justin Powell isn't the – he's not going to walk in day one and be, you know, Brandon Knight or, or John Wall. Like, he's, he's, he's not this guy that's going to come in and just magically transform the program and turn it into, you know, the, this promised land for, for Kentucky fans. Like, he, he yes, he's, he's a very talented player. He's a, you know, kind of slow, methodical, uh, you, you know, just great decision maker. He, you know, he does a lot of the right things that Kentucky needs. He, he'd be a stable force at that position. But I, he's not going to – like, he's not the one guy that you look at and go, all right, yep, let's check that box. Let's get him signed on and we're done for the year. Like, he would be a great complementary piece, but do you take him on as your core – starting point guard piece going into next season and I think that's the issue that Cal's dealing with because you know that same conversation I had they didn't think that Justin Powell would be a top five transfer on the market by next week because there's gonna be so many more names that hit the portal and and this is the, I mean, this is an offseason that Cal has to get it right he cannot miss on any of these names in the transfer portal he can't add you know quickly grab you know latch on to Justin Powell and then have a you know, a, you know, a big name guy like a Scotty Pippen Jr. or some, you know, not even saying that's a realistic possibility, but just a big name guy that you go, oh man, we don't, we we would love to have you, but we don't have room for you right now. And I think that's kind of the dilemma that Cal and his staff are dealing with. They they want to make sure that all these big names, the Marcus Cars of the world, the uh, um, you know, the Grady out of Davidson that just put his name in the portal, all these guys are making sure that that they're getting some love from for from Kentucky in case the possibility presents itself, but to not kind of isolate one guy and say, you're our guy, it's a done deal. You're ours. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a juggling act that Cal and, and his staff are having to deal with right now. And I don't know what that answer is right now. It almost feels like they need to wait until the tournament ends and really see who, I mean, uh, Olivier Saar didn't put his name in the portal until May 1st last year. I mean, that was we're, – we're still well over a month away from seeing some of the big premier guys. You remember, I mean, this time last, last offseason, we thought it was Matt Harms or Buss. Everything – everybody else was falling. There were no other options for Kentucky at this point. Once he kind of fell through, it was like, well, Kentucky's screwed. And then Olivier Saar hits the portal and all, you know, felt fine at that time. So – I'm I'm just very curious how Cal. It feels like he he has to tread lightly, but still be aggressive in his approach. It's it's a very very fine line for him. It is. Uh, it's certainly uh, you don't know what's going to happen with head coaches. You know who moves on, takes jobs. Does a coach get fired at some point? The you know what what all goes into play over the next few weeks. Uh, the portal obviously is going to remain active all the way through the Final Four and into the week or so after that. Uh, does someone decide to wait until after a semester is complete to announce that they're going to leave? Uh, there's a lot that goes into all this right now, more so right now, too, because not only are players navigating something new, so are coaches. I mean, this is entirely new. We had the portal last year, but it, the portal was different because it wasn't under the this whole being able to play immediately anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the SEC do? Does the SEC move forward with saying that kids can transfer within the league and play right away and things like that with the Power Five conferences? But when it comes down to how they shape this thing out, I'm paying really close attention to the guys that that he gets. Uh, right now, the one common denominator with the, the names that they've been linked to the most, it's been backcourt pieces. Mm-hmm. But how, how eye-opening is it that it's not really a – a point guard, point guard. Like how much conversation have we had about the point guard position? So does Cal feel really good about a Nolan Hickman? Is this a guy that they think that they haven't missed on? Do they feel really good about Davion Mintz? Is that a decision that he comes back and they maybe play him at point? Uh, What I was getting to earlier, though, and this is where I was going to plug Dante into this, and I want to do it now. There's one thing, Jack, over the Calipari air. I know we get into this whole big discussion about modern basketball and Cal running double post and Cal playing Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin at the three that frustrates the heck out of us a lot of times. And it's, it's hard to watch. I really think the biggest thing that has got me, though, is I've never been a fan of how they've handled the three position. 
outside of the Michael Kid Gilchrist year where he was just had a motor and could just beat you and play in transition. Uh, I really hated the Trey Lyles experiment at the three. Uh, he was obviously better as a four. Uh, I hated, honestly, what they've done with Keon Brooks at times at, at the three. I, he's better at the four. I was was never a fan of Isaiah Briscoe being in a three guard lineup. <laughs> I just I, I hated it. I understood it because they didn't really have a ton of options. But I think that's a position where some of their better teams have had who. Go back to 2011 and look at the rotation with Knight and Liggins and Lamb and Miller on the perimeter. Team could shoot the ball. Go to 2014 when James Young would run the three. But even Alex Poitras, I didn't like that as a fit there. I liked last year with Quickly and Maxie and Hagens. The biggest thing that could show change to me, does Kentucky go into a roster or a, a season next year where they're playing guys like Jacob Topp and Keon Brooks at the three or they put them at the four? Because I would – rather have Dante Allen sliding and getting an extra spot there or a guy similar to Dante Allen that can shoot the basketball. I think that – I don't care what Cal runs offensively. Like, he, if he wants to still do some of his two-circle sets, some of his floppy action, go for it. But I want to see do they go to a more – when it comes to fit and it comes to skill set, do they add a shooter on the floor or do you get a, a dead spot again? That's the thing that I'm looking for. Do they add pieces in the portal where you look and you see shooter, 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 and then you got, you know, your post with Shoeboy, you got all these other pieces. You can kind of get away playing Collins and Shoeboy together if you got shooter, shooter, shooter on the perimeter because there's space. Yeah. And it, it, and, it kind of feels and that's like what I was getting at with the portal. I'm yeah. sorry to go off topic, but I, I thought that that kind of fit in with what guys are they adding over the next few months. It, it kind of feels like after Cal missed on the Jalen Browns of the world and missed on the um, – I'm kind of drawing a blank on some of those other – Kelly Oubre's and, the, you know, those yeah. – those uh, Andrew Wiggins, those, you know, elite wing, college wings at the time. kind of feels like once Cal started, you know, there was like that stretch from like 2014, 2013 to – like 2017 where they just missed elite wing after elite wing after elite wing. It kind of feels like Cal went either said, all right, screw it. We're going to go three guard lineup and we're going to have Isaiah Briscoe playing in three, or we're going to go just insanely big and have Alex Poythers playing three, Trey Lyles playing the three, uh, Keon Brooks playing the three, those sorts of, those sorts of names. It's like, we're either going to go too small or too big because we can't find that perfect complimentary piece. And I think that's a great point because you know what some of those names that are floating in the portal right now uh that or not in the portal yet right now cj frederick at at iowa is yeah. the name that people have been talking about for two weeks three weeks now about how he's very interested in i think his uncle even went on a, a facebook page or something and, and somebody it was right after uk season ended and, and they were like oh we need shooters on this team and he even commented and said help is on the way like it is, it is not a secret that there is some interest from sharpshooters publicly. And, and he's a guy, Frederick, obviously we're waiting on it to go for him to be officially in the portal. Like season just ended yesterday. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, Matt's tweet yesterday was talking about somebody season ending. That's who I was interpreting. I thought he was, I thought he was talking about Luca Garza. <laughs> some people were in the replies and I'm like, man, this is about to go off the rails. Uh, but speaking on Frederick, if he is a guy that they add as an, an addition to the bench, then I start to like where they go. I don't want him as a starter next year. Agree. Because I just don't think that there's enough there. But the one thing – the couple things that he does very well, he shoots the crap out of it efficiently. 40% and you know, shooter. And you know how many turnovers he had this year? I know going into the other game, he committed nine turnovers, if I'm not mistaken, in an entire season of basketball where he played a lot of minutes. So – just talking, I'm not picking on Devin Askew, but when you're talking about what was the, the things with Devin this year that really hurt him, when he, like, obviously Frederick's not going to be somebody that's going to break you down, but Devin didn't shoot it consistently and he turned it over a lot early in the year. Now that got better down the stretch, but I think that's what you need as a bench. You don't need that to be in your starting five. If that's in your starting five, I kind of wonder if we're going to be having a whole other thing where we're looking at 14 and 14 or something like that. Cause they need they need difference makers in the starting lineup, but they also need depth and guys that fill roles and positions. And that's what I'm most interested in seeing what they do. If they add him, 
uh, and it's coming off the bench, and I really start to like exactly what's going to happen here with this roster. I'm starting to feel better about it. I think the biggest issue with the guys like Jamal Baker, Johnny Juzang, Dante Allen, is they have been pigeonholed as the shooter on the yeah. team. They are they when when they come in the emergency game, gets right when when they come in the game, the opposing bench looks at it and goes, ah, keep an eye on him. He's the shooter. You, you don't let him get open. And all the defense, you know, Cal talks about how, oh, it just, you know, it spread, it opens the floor so much more. It, it kind of makes the defense keep an extra eye, you know, pay, pay close attention. They can't leave him open because they know he's a shooter. Even if he's not making shots, they know he's a shooter. Well, I think the biggest issue is that there's only been one. It's, it's always been the only threat on the, on the floor to, to hit shots consistently and, and constantly be wearing, wearing himself out trying to get open shots. If Cal were to have two of those guys on the floor where they're constantly, you know, throwing stuff at each other and, and, and you know, trying to get themselves open and, and creating open looks, then that's where I think that's, you know, if there's multiple guys like that on the floor at once that you have to keep, keep an eye on, then that's where things get hectic. And, and you know, I'd love to see a C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, uh, you know, line up at the two and three with a Davion Mintz at the one where you have three elite shooters or at least high level shot makers at all three guard positions. And then that you, then you can have a Sheboy and a, a Damian Collins down lower, a Jacob Toppin at the four or a Keon Brooks where you, you could have that let Keon play his, his natural role where he can knock down. So your three needs to be a, a three point shot making position. I mean, you, you have to be able to get three point shots from all three positions on the, on the perimeter. And you, and you need it even more when you when you need a guard two that can beat somebody off the bounce and create for that three. Uh, that's that's the change that I'm looking for the most. I know we get caught up in modern basketball, and and here's the thing: you just watched Loyola absolutely carve up Illinois on Sunday in the NCAA tournament, running the Princeton offense, a traditional version of the Princeton offense. Is is Princeton offense modern basketball? No. I mean, complete opposite. Yeah, it is. But you know what was the modern part of it? A skill. It was skill set. They had a skilled big that they could play through. That's the modern part of basketball. It's not as much what you're doing to me as it is with the way the games have been played according to each position. You can go five out like Alabama's doing right now, and and be. But if you don't have guys that can do that, then what are you doing? You're not going to have. Isaiah Jackson standing outside on in the three point line, or Oscar Shoeboy standing in the corner ready to fire a corner three. That that's not no, <laughs> but that's where I'm coming from. Cal can still do some of the things offensively that he does. Just put a just put better skill set on the floor. That way you're not just clogging things up. And I think that's the thing that I'm looking for the most. Is does he make not? I'm not looking for him to just go five out. I mean, he can still do some of his double posts. He can still yeah. do some things out of that. But I just want to see guys that can actually benefit and help. You need shooters next year to create space for Shoeboy to work on the block. Yeah, And, and then you can play Damian Collins and Shoeboy together if you've got shooter, shooter, shooter on the perimeter or a guy that can break you down off the bounce. And that's what I believe Bob Huggins said yesterday uh, after, they got, after they got knocked out of the tournament by a hot shooting Syracuse team. Um, the, the, yeah, they played Syracuse, right? West Virginia Syracuse? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm, they're, I've seen so much basketball the last three or four days and my mind's just just mashed potatoes at this point. I, I had to figure that out. Um, when, after that game, they asked about, you know, the, the front court and if Oscar Sheboy leaving, you know, hurt them and how, how it kind of changed the dynamic of their season. He said that they thought the team was better after Oscar left the program because of exactly what we're talking about said that uh, they had two anchors down low and it wasn't working trying to work them both in there was zero spacing they both clogged the paint and it it just it made life difficult for everybody else on the floor and Sean I'm, I'm kind of worried to an extent about where we're trending with the rumors of, of Walker Kessler entering the transfer portal and UK potentially being interested in, in him and and uh, there were some rumors about Garrison Brooks entering the portal, and he's even more of a big, you know, plotting six foot eleven, two hundred forty pound big that doesn't space the floor at all. I I almost have that same worry of 
is you know is that where we're we're going with you know is Cal gonna just go through with his his predominantly two big lineup and no matter how it looks or or whatever that's what he's gonna roll with I'm I'm even with the surrounding them with elite shooters I'm I'm even still slightly concerned about the possibility of 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 just that of versatility from those two lineups or for those two positions do you do you think Kessler's going to end up at UK no I do not I, I don't either but it is interesting right like when you look at what they have with Lance Ware coming back Damian Collins coming in uh Shoeboy already being there and then you're talking Jacob Toppin as a four and Bryce Hopkins coming in like where are you going to put another big and I'll even say this Jack I'm interested too in some people that have said that they're coming back next year does the tone change in April when the roster is kind of getting more set and there's transfers is there someone that says yeah I was planning to come back but mm, I don't see no I'm I'm think I'll pursue something else because yeah. that's what you can do now, right? You can do it at any time. Is Will we get some delayed decisions that we maybe don't wait and see? Is it like how recruits in high school used to kind of wait until all the guys would announce for the league? Well, is it now guys at Kentucky or somewhere else going to wait around and say, okay, well, who are you adding to the portal at my spot? Mm-hmm. I just I think there's a lot of factors that could go into this. Like I think that you could see some things play out differently because just looking at numbers and stuff, all these guards that they're after in the backcourt, like that we're being linked to when it comes to the transfer portal, when you have Hickman, you have Askew, let's say Mintz does return, what are you doing? Dante Allen there on the roster? Like, are you going into next year with six? There's a lot of pieces. There's It's a, a very deep and hectic roster from top to bottom. And, and that's – I think they're – that's why Cal has to be very selective with how he goes about doing things before, you know, taking a commitment from a guy like Justin Powell, who I think is very good. I think he could be a very solid piece at Kentucky, but he's not this game changing talent that I think some fans have kind of hyped him up to be. And it's you know, PR for the program though. Yeah. If you, but if you add those type of players and say, Oh yeah, give, I, I'll take him and I'll take CJ Frederick and I'll take uh, a Walker Kessler and I'll take, you know, all these people, you add three, four or five, players in the portal then you're looking at a 13 man roster 14 you know there has to be attrition at that point and where does that attrition come from and and I don't think going and getting the best means instant change though yeah like that's the thing like I think that it needs to be more a fit like how many times this year sure Kentucky had talent but it never fit like you got to make sure that you got talent and it has to fit this time. You can't strike out. And that's the thing that's getting me with obviously the news with, with Grady today and stuff. I, I think that's big when you're talking about a kid who it's been 17, 18 points a game every year he's been in college. He did it for four seasons <laughs> at Davidson. I mean, the highest you know rated player to ever play at Davidson. And when it comes to rankings and things, uh, six, five, those are the guys that I'm looking for. So shot they, 30, 38% from three last yeah. year? Yeah. But you get a guy who is scored. You get a guy who does the things that we're talking about when it comes to changing the game with skill set, playing alongside pieces. Uh, I think that's an interesting name to watch. I would love to see him at Kentucky yeah. Yeah. if it works out. And then you – let's say they just – let's say Frederick goes in the portal and ends up being an option off the bench, and then you can either add somebody else from the portal, get men's to return, Three weeks from now, I think we'll have a better idea. I don't think this is something that's going to just happen quickly, though. I think it's going to be kind of play out over the next few weeks and into April. I think by the time we get around to recording in mid-April on episodes, I think that we'll be sitting here playing with some puzzle pieces, and we'll actually physically be able to slide them into places, and those will be the episodes where it's the most fun because then you can kind of talk and see exactly what they have. I don't know what they're going to do front court wise. I'm almost to the point that if let's say Keon confirms that he's coming back or something, I don't know if they'll even add a front court piece. I maybe don't. I, I, I'm hoping they don't. I don't want to see Kentucky basketball next year with Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin standing at the three. I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see it. Nobody wants to see it. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna start getting reckless at one of the positions. 
in terms of bringing guys in. Make it make it point guard. Make it sh- those those prime two and three shooting positions. Get some shooters in here and let the cream rise to the top. Uh, you know, in, in terms of who who gets the most minutes, who is you know fit in specific roles. I mean, that's that's kind of how I handle it. I I think that there there are way too many moving parts in that front court right now to add more to to add a uh, to add a guy like a Garrison Brooks. I would add I would add a Walker Kessler. I think that I think he's going to be has a very bright future ahead of him. I think he could be a very good player uh, especially at the college level. But the idea of adding another big, you know, Garrison Brooks type player just that, you know, 240 pounds, you know, not great lateral movement, you know, not very versatile as a defender, can't guard three positions, can you know kind of pigeonholed as that as that five I mean I I think that's where that's where Cal has to be careful I would not just take names just to take names I think he has to be very selective and like you I think you put it very well this is a big puzzle piece you know a puzzle with a lot of awkward fitting pieces that he did not get them to fit together last year it was a mess and it I mean just didn't work He's got to make sure those those puzzle pieces fit together. This awesome. whenever we have all the pieces, you and I are going to record sources say together in a place, and we're going to physically put this piece and this puzzle together when it comes down to what it is. Because I think that I can see it developing, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because you don't know who's going to go on the portal next. And and that's the thing. Like out of all the guys, though, like the most surprising to me. When it looks at what you need for next year, it just feels like Marcus Carr's a need, right? Like it, when you look at just a, an elite guy with, at, at the, that position, I mean, if you're not going to get it via high school, why not go get it from a guy who averaged 19 a game in the Big Ten at Minnesota that can play the point guard position and stuff there? Because it, it feels like that they can't go into next year with a question mark at point guard. You and I know going into last year, the reason they went and got Davion Mintz is because they were very concerned about what would happen with Devin Askew. And we saw those concerns kind of come to fruition throughout the season. I want to go into a season here in off season where they don't have concerns because every time that they have them, it becomes a liability. It has always become a liability. It never works out when there's a concern there, whether it be concerned about shooting or anything like that. Like they, you want to see all bases. Or attitude or personality. Yes, like <laughs> we have all to be of everything. All of those things. Even though the fire's not burning, physically you don't see smoke. Pretty soon that smoke turns the it turns black, it and then it just starts burning. Isn't it kind of funny how every single okay this, <laughs> this we we went into this season saying this team is a Final Four team. If this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, and this doesn't happen. And everything happens. All of those things happen. All of them. This team is going to be a Final Four team if they can get Terrence Clark's personality, you know, the, the, the maturity issues. They can get those figured out. That was a very – listen, I'm going to say this now, that, and I've kind of touched on it and hinted at it over the last several months, you know, leading up to the season and then this offseason. I flew up to Boston, Massachusetts to go watch the Hoopal Classic where Devin Askey was playing, B.J. Boston was playing, Terrence Clark was supposed to play. Um, it was an absolutely loaded, loaded event with just talent from top to bottom. I got in contact with Terrence Clark's head coach at Brewster Academy. I got in touch with the AD. I called the front desk, the office, the, the front office clerks. I called everybody up there messaged them texted them all of it and i said we are doing these preseason features you know putting a spotlight on these kids where you know we go we interview them we kind of do a day in a life type thing uh you know kentucky fans always complain about not being able to get that one-on-one you know learning these kids and and you know developing a relationship with them and and you know because they only see them for eight months at a time you know, we are, we're kind of going out of our way to, to emphasize that and put a spotlight on these kids. I call everybody and text everybody, DM everybody that you need to get in contact with Terrence Clark and do a dot, do a, you know, feature on him, whatever. Nobody wanted to put a spotlight on him. And I was like, it, it never made sense. Why? 
Cameron Fletcher, we did it with him. Isaiah Jackson, weather and, and COVID and all that ended up canceling that. That But that was a done deal. We were going to go do that. Um, if we got in contact with every single recruit, did features with every single one of them. Ask you, Lance Ware, we did it with every single recruit but Terrence Clark. Why? Why did, why did they never want to put a spotlight on Terrence Clark? And it, that was one thing that when it happened, it really – I said, I flew up to Boston, Massachusetts to do this. It's a two-hour drive up to New Hampshire. You weren't happy either. I, I wasn't. I was like, I, I'm, I am here. I can drive up to the school. You have to do nothing. All, I, all I'm going to do is sit down, talk, give me 15 minutes, give me 20 minutes. I'll sit here and record him shooting in an open gym and just, you know, shoot the breeze with him. I'm, I'm not – like, you know, I'm only here to put a positive spotlight on these kids. And they, you know, Cameron Fletcher, who had his off-court issues and all that, they were so welcoming. They said, absolutely, his senior night is this night. His whole family is going to be there, all of his best friends. It's going to be an awesome experience. Come on down. We will we'll, we'll set it up. It will make it happen. It was fantastic, and I love that kid. I thought it was an awesome time. That, you know, I, I've said on this show over and over and over again that I am a huge Cameron Fletcher fan. It just it just never made sense to me. Why did why did nobody want to put a spotlight on Terrence Clark? Do you remember who was the one party that declined a story with me? Agreed. Same, Terrence, I'm, Terrence Clark. I'm, I'm telling you. I, I wrote all those features last summer, wrote two on Devin Askew that were fantastic. And just the full interview, just experience was amazing. Like with family and everything. Come down to it, was going to do the exact same thing with Terrence Clark and didn't even get an explanation why. Just said, not interested. It wasn't Terrence. It was just not interested. And I'm like, I have never in my four years covering, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, softball, did not matter. I had never had a family or anyone party say no or turn it down. ADs, everybody. They are all about – I'd never had it. All about positive publicity and press for their kids. But it, for this, for whatever case, it, it was, it just wasn't a fit. And that was, and I'm, I'm here to tell you behind the scenes, that was a concern of Cal. There was, there were very clear maturity questions that Cal had going into this year and said, yes, there are a couple of red flags, but if we can just mold him to, to, you know, the, you know, he's, they, they saw him as a piece of clay. Said if, if we could just mold him into this, he could be such an awesome basketball player. We, and he, there's, there's just so much to work with. And unfortunately we never, I mean, I think off, off court, I thought, you know, he did a great job with, you know, as a cheerleader and, and did, you know, did a lot of great things as a teammate and those sorts of things late in the season and, and all that. But it was just a, I think Cal is going to look at those types of high level talent, you know, and, you know, recruits with just a couple, couple issues here and there and, you know, kind of go, instead of going after those and take risks with those, go after the high level skill, high level, um, you know, shooting those sorts of things to make sure that, no matter what happens, there's always going to be shooting. There's always going to be skill on this roster. And I think the, one of the very first interviews he did, Cal did after this season, I think it was his call-in show. He said, we're going to be, we're going to completely change what we're doing, how we're recruiting, who we're recruiting, those sorts of things. I think it's a very clear thing that the experiment that he tried this, this season uh, across the board with the type of point guards he recruits, the types of, of just, you know, guards, wings, the superstars he recruits, all of, you know, grad transfers, transfer market, those sorts of things. He's going to completely go back to the drawing board and say, yep, I, I took chances on this one. It didn't work. No fault to anybody, but something's got to give. We can't, we can't go back to doing what we did this past season. No, they can't. Uh, if anything, you, you don't want to model anything after what happened this year. Even if you just scrap it and throw it all in the trash, you, you <laughs> don't want to. So I just think that that's where I'm coming from, where it's upsetting and disappointing that you don't get a couple of guys as sophomores because you could see it working out. But also at the same time, after what you saw this year, just pull the plug on it. Start from scratch. But have some continuity, too. You do want guys to return. And we had heard some stuff there middle of the year where there were some guys that, you know, Cal didn't want poisoning the rest. Yeah. It, it's going to be – we, we say this was the last two episodes, I believe. We've said it 
several times that this is a very, very important offseason for John Calipari on numerous fronts, how he's going to go about his the recruiting process, who he's going to recruit, why he's recruiting them. I mean, it's he, – he, they have their work cut out for him. I mean, I, I just – I have no idea how they're going to go about doing this. There's so many names out there, so many very solid pieces to add, but who? It's just uh, very, very – uh very interesting. I'm very intrigued and hoping for the best because we cannot have another season like the one we just had. Sean, um, I believe we can end it there. What do you think? You sure? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the time we publish, there'll there'll be somebody in the portal. No kidding. We should just hit. We should just hang on with our head with our headphones on and and headsets and and just you know wait wait for the next big piece of news to drop. We're just just dead air. <laughs> just <laughs> why is this podcast four and a half hours well we were just waiting <laughs> yeah i don't know if it, don't rock back too far there you'll fall out of it like you did our, start bill <laughs> with our <laughs> with our small talk i don't know if it, we'd have to put a, a parental guidance do you know explicit parental advisory warning on our show if we just <laughs> recorded our rants and ramblings over and over and over again because they're Th- those are usually pretty entertaining. Uh, yeah, uh, and probably in some lines illegal. <laughs> All right, with that, we will get the heck out of here. Sean, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you. As always, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast. We will see you then.